G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We tend to think of joy and sorrow as being at opposite ends of the emotional spectrum. But God, God has this thing where he wants to pour his joy into our sorrow. Bernie Diamond, thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're taking another look at the joy that God wants to pour out into your life, especially during times of sorrow. Now when you think about it, that's precisely when we need the joy of the Lord the most. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you enter into the joy of the Lord day after day as He speaks His Word, His love, His power, His peace, His encouragement into your life. Last week on the program, we began a new series called It's Time to Start Enjoying My Life. Look around. Joy in this world seems to be in such very short supply. And yet joy is something that Jesus so much wants us to experience. Not the joy that the world has to offer. Not some short-term happiness fix. Not that. Real joy. Abiding joy. Lasting joy. You can read what Jesus said about joy in John chapter 15 and verse 11. This is a time when the disciples were afraid because Jesus was about to be crucified. They knew it. Everything was falling in a screaming heap. And and look at what Jesus talks about. He says, I have said all these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Isn't that awesome? So that my joy, Jesus' joy, may be in us and that our joy might be complete. The problem is that, well, that can be really, really hard to swallow. I receive so many emails from people who are struggling in life. One man in Africa, he belongs to one tribe and his wife to another and her family are trying to tear the marriage apart. I had an email from a woman the other day who's had so many people in her life disappoint her and and fail her. There are so many people living life in circumstances that, well, in the natural, in our flesh... They don't warrant joy. Joy and sorrow, after all, are at the opposite ends of the spectrum. How dare some joker come on the radio and start talking about joy? If he only knew my circumstances, how can he say that God wants me to experience joy? What a load of rubbish! Well, that's a common reaction. If you're struggling with things in your life at the moment, it's not a surprising reaction. You're not on your own. Okay, then let me ask you a question. If God meant us to wallow in sorrow, why is it that Jesus said, until now, you haven't asked for anything in my name? Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. You can read that. If you have a Bible, open it up. That came from John chapter 16, verse 22. See, God never meant us to live life in despair. 
If he did, why would the Bible say this? Even though you haven't seen him with your own eyes, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an unspeakable and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. That comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Or Psalm 33, sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy. Now God means us to live in his joy. And so often he calls us to joy when our lives and our circumstances demand sorrow. It's a bittersweet irony. And today, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to spend some time with a man on death row. A man locked in a dungeon in chains under the sentence of death. A man who, if anyone did, deserved to wallow in sorrow. His name's Paul. And he opens his letter to his friends with these mournful and sorrowful words. Have a listen. It comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, both servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who's begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. Does that sound like a guy who's on death row in a dungeon? Look how he starts. I thank my God. He begins with thanksgiving. And then he says, I always pray for you with joy. What right has this man in a dungeon to feel joy? And then he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you because we all share in God's grace. See, what he's doing is he's pouring out to his friends what's in his heart. He's saying, in my heart, I feel these things. Sure, outside, I'm in chains. But in my heart, I experience joy. And his prayer for them is that their love may abound more and more and more. This abundant, overflowing story of love and joy. This man is in chains on death row. And in fact, it gets a whole bunch worse. We'll have a look at that a little bit later on the program. In the second chapter, you see it gets a whole bunch worse. And yet he opens his letter his letter of chains, with an overflow of abundance of joy that comes from the grace of God in Jesus Christ. It's interesting, you know, that the Greek words used in the New Testament for joy and for grace come from the same root word. Joy and God's grace are closely linked for Paul. And he's saying, look, what's going on in my heart is what really matters because the Spirit of God has taken up residence here. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. It's right for me to feel this way about you. Even though I'm in chains, we all have a share 
in God's grace. I want to share with you an email that I received last Christmas. I sent out a word by email to several thousand of our ministry supporters and just a gentle word about God being on our journey with us. And one woman, Karen, replied and said this, I seem to attract people who seem to want me around and yet when someone else comes along that they prefer, I get pushed aside. Especially at these times, I feel God is the only one I can trust. I'm sorry if I sound a bit glum. I'm not really. Sometimes I feel a bit sad, but then I think about God and how he still loves me and he wants me to be with him. Karen knows the thing that Paul knows. The joy doesn't come from other people or, or what's happening on the outside of us. It comes from God himself. I thank my God every time I pray for you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray in joy. After the break, we're going to come back and have a look at how the Apostle Paul handled rejection. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw ever closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional, a powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300 722 415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now, it's one thing for me to sit here and chat about joy, as though it's meant for everyone who believes in Jesus, as though we can even begin to think about joy as we suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortunes, as Shakespeare put it. But it's quite another to actually experience it. So let's dive back into God's Word because experiencing it is exactly what God intends for you. Really. In his play Hamlet, Shakespeare talks about suffering the slings and arrows of outrageous fortunes. And when we take a look at the next part of this letter of the Apostle Paul from his dungeon on death row, a letter to his friends in Philippi, well... This letter makes sense of that line from Hamlet. Have a listen. I'm reading from the Bible, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 26. If you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, read it with me. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It's true, some people preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, well, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, 
whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and help, given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I'll have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in me, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Now, this is an amazing passage because remember, the Apostle Paul is in chains in a Roman dungeon on death row. He's there because he went out and told people about Jesus. So this is, this is religious persecution. He's been locked up for his faith and for sharing his faith with other people. But instead of grumbling, I mean, wouldn't it be so easy to be in prison and say, God, why have you put me here? God, I only went out to tell him about you. God, what are you doing? Wouldn't it be so easy for Paul to do that? And instead he sees the positive. You know, so often we only see the negative. I remember a time a dozen or so years ago when I was going through some really difficult times, my own dungeon, so incredibly dark. I experienced some really difficult things in my life and, and it was as black as black could be. It was incredible pain of loss and fear and loneliness and betrayal. I wasn't suffering for the gospel like Paul. I, I was just suffering. That's the place where I first met Jesus Christ. Now, as much as it hurt, I always had a sense that God had a purpose in it, that God would somehow use it. Can I tell you something? Without that suffering, I would be completely useless to you right now. I was Mr. I'm perfect and full of myself and arrogant and conceited and only interested in me. And the suffering broke open my heart and let Jesus in, the great healer. I look back on it now and I see the positive. Paul Paul was mature in his relationship with Christ and he was able to sit there in the dungeon and see the positive thing there. Right when it was happening, right when he was chained up, right when he was under the fear of death, he wanted to say to his brothers and sisters in Philippi, you know something, what's happened to me is good because it served to advance the gospel. And then the second bit is the one that really gets me. He goes on to talk about what other people were doing and saying and they were preaching out of envy. They were preaching out of selfish ambition. They were preaching to stir up more trouble for Paul. Paul has poured at least 10 years of his life out into, into preaching the gospel and planting churches across Asia Minor. And here he is, he's suffering the most incredible things. He had a right to some recognition. He had a right to some respect and honour. And yet the other Christians instead were taunting him. The worst possible thing. He's in jail and they're taunting him. And his response? Let's read it again. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is being preached and because of this I rejoice. See, 
He's not interested in what other people are doing. He doesn't care about what other people think. He humbly just wants people to meet Jesus. And that humility sets him free to experience joy. And he finishes up that passage and he says, I'm convinced that I'll be with you and I know that I'll remain and I'll continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. For Paul, it's about joy and enjoying life, no matter whether he's doing well and he's got lots to eat or whether he's locked up in a dungeon on death row. Yes, I'll continue to rejoice, he says, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. If we're going to rejoice, we have to enter into God's joy. We have to enjoy. Now, either Paul is totally mad or he's onto something here. What do you think? What's going on for Paul here in his dungeon? It looks to me like there's a light in his heart, a fire that's burning so bright, all the darkness around him can't put it out. I remember being in the army on exercise years ago, and they gave us waterproof and windproof matches. It's a real problem when you're out in the bush, and it's really windy, and the flame always blows out. These matches were amazing. You lit one, and even when it was soaking wet, it would light, and the strongest gale couldn't blow it out. You could blow as hard as you liked, and this match kept burning. That's the picture of what's going on in the heart of Paul. A joy unspeakable. A joy that comes from out of this world. A joy that comes from God himself. Well, that's Paul. What about you and me? Can can we have joy like that? We'll take a look at that after this short break. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. There are times in life when it seems as though laying hold of the joy of the Lord is pretty much impossible. And yet it's precisely in those times that we need His joy. And it's precisely in those times that God wants to give you His joy. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called How to Enjoy Your Life. It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you truly live in the joy of the Lord day by day. And indeed, at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your free copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and I'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Well, it's great to have a listen to the Apostle Paul's circumstances and realities, but you and I, we're not Paul. We're different people. We've got different circumstances. So this is not a message that goes, Paul had his act together, let's live our lives like Paul, because truthfully, I don't believe that it works that way. That would be a works thing. The Bible talks about dead works and trying to be like Paul. I think it would be exactly that, a dead work. So what then? We have troubles and trials in life. We do. Sometimes we go through circumstances that are so incredibly tough. 
times that appear to be filled with sorrow and despair, what role does joy have? I want to go back to what I said at the beginning of the program and last week. I'm not talking about some worldly joy that we conjure up in our hearts. I'm not talking about pulling our socks up and having a good attitude. I'm not talking about works. God's joy is a gift of grace. And so I'm talking about God's joy. Let's go back to what Jesus said to his disciples, John chapter 15, verse 11, when they were afraid, when they were in despair, when they knew that Jesus was about to be crucified and everything was falling apart. He says, I've said all these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. His joy in our hearts. He wants to impart his joy into our lives, and that's a gift of grace, a free gift from God. Last week on the program, we looked at the story of Israel. In Nehemiah chapter 8, they'd heard the word of God and they, they wept because they knew that they turned their backs on God. They were convicted in their hearts by the Holy Spirit of their sin. And that's the time, isn't it, when we feel least deserving of God's joy. Actually, what we feel deserving of is God's punishment and wrath. And the reason we feel that is that we're made in his image. We have his sense of justice, and that's exactly what we deserve. But then, instead of what they deserved, listen to what God said to them through Nehemiah, their leader. You can read it in the Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to the Lord. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Whose joy? God's joy. Grace, a free gift from him. When they deserve punishment, God said to them through Nehemiah, The joy of the Lord is your strength. When we turn to him, when, when we get up close with him, a glorious joy that words can't describe is his free gift to us, a joy unspeakable. And the key is this, the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is not a be like Paul message. It's not that. When we draw close to Jesus, when we spend more and more time with him, when we do that, he fills us with his joy. Have a listen again to the way the Apostle Peter puts it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Even though you haven't seen him with your own eyes, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an unspeakable and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And that joy, that joy is a joy that God imparts to us. We are receiving the goal of our faith. We are receiving his joy. So many people are going through tough times in life and they'll call a friend on the phone before they talk to God about it. Wake up. Jesus is in this place with us, with you and with me. Whatever our dungeon looks like, whatever those other people are doing to, to hurt us and taunt us, the joy of the Lord is our strength. In dark places, in dark times, in dark dungeons, those are places of great opportunity. When there's no other light that shines, His light will shine in our hearts. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It's the same God who at creation commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, who has shone in our hearts with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
I want to encourage you with something today. Jesus died and rose again so that we could be forgiven all the things we've done wrong and have a relationship with him and experience his joy. This joy is not something that you and I conjure up. It's not something that we buy off the rack. This joy comes from God himself. It's his free gift. And when we humble ourselves, when we turn to him, when we desire him with all our hearts, we turn away from all that rubbish that we're into, and day after day, week after week, month after month, he will fill us with a certain joy so wondrous there are no words to describe it. Paul knew that. That's what was going on for him in the dungeon. Paul couldn't write about joy to the Philippians because he was some spiritual superman. Paul was just a weak man in chains in a Roman dungeon. But those chains didn't bind his heart because he had a real experience of Jesus Christ. Not some distant experience. He had a real experience of Jesus Christ. And it was Jesus himself who gave him that joy. Jesus said, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It is time to start enjoying your life. And joy, real joy, comes from Jesus. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for today. Before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This Christianity Works program is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to enter into the joy of the Lord. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. You see, each dollar that you give towards the Ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with the gospel message. So, a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely, online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called How to Enjoy Your Life. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.